We are back. Episode five is here. Bit of a curveball. Uh, this was originally supposed to be an interview released today. And long story very short, the audio is, we will call it missing in action. So this all happened pretty last minute. That being said, I'm pretty committed to this weekly release schedule of the podcast doesn't necessarily have to be on a Monday, but I wanted to get an episode out either way. Um, The interviews are going to keep coming. There's one scheduled this week that I'm particularly excited about that I'll hopefully release next week or the week after. But that being said, I still wanted to do something today. And rather than try to carve something out from scratch, um, I've been talking about doing some of these solo episodes. It's a bit easier sometimes to just riff back and forth with someone sort of eliminates really any thinking that you have to do when you just get asked questions. So very thankful for good friends. I texted one of my great friends, Ryan Espinosa and said, Hey, how about we just do an episode together? Um, Any questions that you have in your brain that you would want to ask, especially if you think that they will have value to somebody else listening, um, then just ask them and I'll just answer them. So a grand total of two and a half minutes of planning went into this. I hope that nothing sounded staged. It's hard when it's like two really close buddies because um, you just immediately think, what do you, like Ryan's going to be over there giving me these lob ball questions. But we, did, we, we didn't plan anything. I didn't necessarily know what he was going to ask me. We knew the general topic, you know, a, a lot of the nutrition and sleep stuff. And so that's what we did. And I, I hope that this is actionable. I tried to make it as actionable as possible and, and useful. And so briefly to highlight what we're about to talk about, if you are curious why that person that you know seems to be able to eat whatever they want and they never put on any body fat, this is a podcast you might want to listen to because we talk about that. We talk about what it means to have a quote unquote fast metabolism or slow metabolism. Air quotes there, I want to highlight that. We talk about sleep and how I kind of track and optimize mine and what you can do to get better sleep. We talk about why you may want to ditch oatmeal as a breakfast choice or just a choice in general. We talk about my thoughts on carbohydrates and a bunch more, but I want to get into the episode. I've learned my intros need to be shorter and I'm sticking to that at least for now. So that's enough out of me, but there are some really good interviews coming up, especially next week and in the weeks after. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation with my good friend and bro, Ryan Espinosa. We are here with my good friend, Ryan, who is thankfully stepping in for an unfortunate incident where I'm sure you heard in the intro, I lost the audio to the interview that I was going to post today. And so what we decided to do was Ryan has a list of questions that he's curious about for himself from a health perspective, and then also that just cater to everyone. And hopefully the questions that that you have for you are also useful to either people who are like you or people who are completely opposite of you, which I think most people are because you are someone who just walks around effortlessly with a six pack year round. So give like the, the 60 second deal on like kind of your body type or how you are. So I think that'll give context for some of what you're asking. And then we'll just go through these list of questions. Hopefully they're useful to people. So yeah, of course, man. I'm stoked to be here. I've been loving the podcast so far. Uh, Really good you know, insightful stuff on it. Um, you know, I'm just really excited about it. I know this has been a long time coming, but, uh, for me, I guess, so, you know, I'm like, I'm six foot, 
you know, about 174-ish, just kind of hovering that range. Like Steven said, I, I'm pretty lean, um, pretty much always. I can pretty much eat whatever I want and I will stay lean. I don't know why. It's a genetic thing. I'm very blessed in that sense and I'm thankful. But on the flip side, it is near impossible for me to gain weight. Um, I, it doesn't matter how hard I try. It's really difficult. Uh, that's not completely true because there has been times in my life where I've got, you know, just really buckled down, gotten really disciplined specifically with my nutrition. And I have been able to make massive leaps forward, um, specifically with, because of a change in how I, um, approached my, like my eating habits and my diet. Then let's start with your, because, because I don't want to lose that part where you're talking about how you can eat whatever you want and not gain weight. I know that you have a list of questions, but I want to get that one dealt with because that that's like a, a misnomer. We were talking about that earlier. Um, you, everyone probably can think of somebody that they know that it feels like they can eat whatever they want and they just stay lean or they don't gain weight. And it's this confusing thing. And normally what people say is he or she has a really fast metabolism and that I, you, you understand what they're saying, but that sentence actually doesn't make much sense. The way that the best way to explain it would be he or she has a big metabolism because it's just the amount of food or calories or energy that that person can consume without it spilling over into fat stores. But most people like almost every human on earth falls into a a pretty tight spectrum of calories. So to rewind, you are, you are the, the use case that we can use to illustrate this. I've been with you many times. You, you would be that person who it's like, you can eat whatever you want and, and not gain weight. Yeah. Because I've seen you throw down huge burritos, French fries, burgers, margaritas, and you're always ripped. But if we extrapolate that out and look at what you eat on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or a yearly basis, the, the, the average calories that you consume are actually pretty small. You may only eat 1400 the next day and 1200 the next day. And, and it yeah. averages out. I think that's a different, that's a huge, that's a great point. I don't know what it's like for other people. Um, who have a similar uh, build to myself or just a similar, just, I guess, metabolism, quote unquote. Um, but my eating is incredibly sporadic. It's, it's never, it's been my most difficult thing to rein in from a habit standpoint. Um, today, I was telling you that I, I just was working. I woke up, went straight to work, had some coffee and I was working. I didn't have, I didn't have food until after 6 p.m. And then I ate 12 ounces of beef and four eggs and just crushed all of it. And, um, and that's kind of, that's very typical of my days. Maybe I'll, I'll eat something bigger in the morning. Um, and then and then I usually won't eat again until like after four or 5 PM. And so if you see me eating, like, for example, like what you said, multiple cheeseburgers and a ton of food and stuff, and you're like, how could you eat that much and stay like slim, it doesn't make sense. It's like, well, because this is all I had today. The better, the better way to put it is you have a genetic appetite regulation that is conducive to Mm -hmm. staying lean as opposed to a genetically quote unquote fast metabolism. Your appetite just kind of keeps you at a place where like you get your work the whole day and it's 5 PM and you're like, Oh, I should eat some food now. Yeah. That's really interesting. I would be curious to know what your thoughts on that are. Cause I mean, I know I've noticed myself when I do eat more on a more frequent basis 
I'm hungry more often. Um, but if I'm not eating as much and it's consistent and I'm consistently not eating as much, then I, I don't have an appetite period. And I've developed over the course of however many years, a very small appetite, except when I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I will crush 3000 calories in a single sitting easy and I'll be fine. Yeah. Or I'll crash. But anyway, yeah, you'll see that with people pretty much. However you set yourself up, like if you eat, if people eat six meals a day, they'll generally get hungry at those times. If you were to schedule them in and eat like on a Mm -hmm. time window, which most people can't do, you'll generally get hungry around that same time. And even as extreme as there are people who do alternate day fasting, so they'll fast one day, eat the next day, and they'll actually not be hungry on the days that they normally fast and then get hungry on that second day. And it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the amount of time they've gone without food, because if you've ever fasted before. They're um, training their mental, they're training their their intellect or their mental capacity. And yeah. just like they're associating when they eat, the brain knows it's like Paul Pavlo's law, you know, with the dog, it's in the bell. It's like, same it's thing, Dwight Shrew with, with the mint when Jim restarts the computer. <laughs> That's what it is. You love it. Um, yeah, no, it's a hundred percent that. And yeah, I notice it all the time. And one thing that I would be curious to hear from you is um, just in terms of metabolism, um, you kind of had mentioned before that it's, it's, people have this misconception of what metabolism is and how it actually works. Can you just like break down how metabolism works and how my metabolism and your metabolism versus someone who's, you know, maybe 180 pounds and five, eight is different, you know, and how that, how that all looks, what that looks like. Yeah. Metabolism is like, if you study energy metabolism, it's really detailed and nuanced and it's how your body deals with nutrients and amino acids and all this. But when people use the word metabolism, they're generally referring to fat loss or gain, like he has a fast metabolism or a slow metabolism. Um, So they're referring to generally speaking, how much someone can eat. So that's the way that I will address metabolism. And for the like, very smart people out there or for the people who are listening that have a nutrition background, I understand that I'm generalizing metabolism to the context of what most people, I just want to make that like a disclaimer to what you're hey man, I, I want to, I want to hear layman's terms. Yeah. So yeah. in terms of metabolism, all it really means is the amount of energy that you require and or go through in a day. So calories in food are just energy. That's just units of energy. And each one of us requires a different amount of energy or calories to sustain us throughout the day. And that varies based on a few things. So that means that metabolism, the, the speed, or like people like to say, or the size of a metabolism depends on a few things. One of them is age. So how old are you? Generally, if you're a lot older, you require a little bit less calories. And I have a a few theories on that. I don't want to get too in the weeds, but I don't, your body doesn't actually slow down too much. So when people say like, I can't eat the way that I did when I was younger, generally that's because they're just not moving the way that they were when they're younger. But there's a, there's a slight potential slowdown of, of your metabolism or shrinkage of your metabolism as you get, you know, from age 20 to age 55, that's irrelevant. I'm going to mainly include the things that matter, which is gender. Men generally can can burn through more calories in a day in layman's terms. 
um, than women can. So gender, height and weight. So size, like you and me have a size difference. I'm going to be able to eat more calories in a day or need more energy in a day to keep what I have more than you. And then, you know, I obviously can eat significantly more than my wife, who's way smaller than me. You've got activity level. So activity burns energy or calories. So even just things like walking around the house, doing dishes, um, and then intentional exercise, muscle mass plays a little bit of a role. So if you and me are the same exact height and weight, but I have a lot more muscle in you and you're a bit, a bit softer, I'm generally going to require a little bit more energy throughout the day. So is that just because muscle requires more energy? Muscle is actually like- not very efficient. It's like, it requires a lot of oxygen, a lot of water. So at mm-hmm. rest, my body's just requiring more to keep that muscle active and that it's tissue that is a little bit more active than like fat is. So you've got all these things that are, that are playing as factors on how big your metabolism is. So just to make it really simple, a bit, you know, LeBron is six, eight, 200, you know, whatever he is now, 230. And he trains super hard. He's got like so many things leaning in his direction where he just has a huge metabolism. He's massive. He's got some muscle mass, trains hard as a male, you know, he, he kind of checks all the boxes. Um, and then you've got, you know, Angela on the office who's weighs 82 pounds and sits at a desk chair all day, like doesn't need as much energy. So Long story short, metabolism is really just how many calories your body or how much energy your body requires in a day to get through the day. Got it. So out of curiosity, so how can someone, are you born with, is that it's like, if we're looking at metabolism in terms of size, like you were talking about, and let's say, I'm just going to say like gallons. So it's like my metabolism is 15 gallons. Your metabolism is, you know whatever. Um, I guess people would, would our metabolism be the same? Can I, can somebody, um, have a faster, bigger metabolism? Um, can they train their body to have a bigger metabolism? How would you go about doing that? You could, so you could do that by modifying the things that I listed out. So if you grow bigger, um, most of us are adults listening right now. We can't actually do that. Yeah. I was going to say, let's stick with stuff that, um, you, are in control of. Yeah. So you are in control of, of growing bigger in terms of weight. So if you Mm, put on a ton of weight, you put on muscle, like your body will require a certain amount more calories. Um, the other thing you can do is, uh, I mean, you can train more, which is not like increasing the size of your metabolism, but it is increasing the energy expenditure that you have. So you could technically eat more. Um, and then you can actually build up your metabolism to some degree by incrementally increasing the amount of food that you eat in the day. So a lot of people will find this, like if you start tracking your calories and you're eating 3000 and your weight staying still and you eventually bump it up to 3,200 and some people can like actually really start to push their calories up over time is your body Mm -hmm. just, you know, begins to become very efficient and or efficient. So I guess another question is off of that is, I guess with all what you said, do I have technically a smaller metabolism than say you who's like working, like I'm not working out right now. I'm just not, I moved to New York about a month and a half ago. I haven't gotten a membership at the gym after doing body workouts for like two months at the beginning of COVID. I'm just tired of them. Don't want to do them. I didn't see a whole lot of gains um, because I just am skinny and wasn't eating enough. 
And it's really hard to find motivation to eat more when all you're doing is doing push-ups and pull-ups. But what I was going to say is it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the more you work out and the more you um, are active, the bigger your metabolism is, correct? To some degree, yeah. I mean, if you're the more energy you're expending through training, the more energy your body's going to have to come up with somewhere. And mm-hmm. if you're gaining weight, your body's going to require even more energy to, to maintain that weight. Um, but I should mention too, that when I say require that, that doesn't mean that you have to eat that much. Like that's sort of the, mis- it's like to maintain. Yeah. You would have to eat that much to maintain your weight. And that's where fat loss comes into the picture, because if you eat less than that, your body has to find that energy somewhere and it, it will and generally you- pull from fat. Got it. I kind of want to jump to a different, another topic. Um, so recently, uh, so something I have an issue with now is I'm still, I still eat pretty healthy. Um, I eat organic, like I was saying, mostly beef, eggs, um, some carbs and stuff like that. But I noticed because of my sporadicness in my eating habits, um, I'd wake up early, I'd wake up in the morning, have coffee, make like four eggs, oatmeal, whatever. And I'm fine. And I'm, I just run through the day around 12, two, one, 2 PM. I'm hungry again. And so I was making these big meals. I was like, I need to put on weight. So I have it in my mind that I have to make, you know, 12 ounces of beef with like three eggs, um, two cups of brown rice, half of, you know, another cup of black beans, um, a whole bell pepper, half an onion and like, and just saute it up and then I'd eat it and I would down it super fast. I was like hungry. And within 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, after eating, I'm just like dead. I'm dead tired. I noticed, I talked to you about this and I said, dude, I'm just like exhausted. Like, I was like, what the heck? It's like, I don't, I can't operate like this. Like I want to just take a nap for like an hour after I eat. Um, why, why is that? And what are some things that people could do who are maybe eating, having similar diets, who are like eating a lot um, or who are eating really healthy um, and feeling that crash? Like what, it, what would that be attributed to? It could be attributed to a few things. The first thing is, is practical and unavoidable, which is just like a blood, a bunch of blood is rushing to digest your food. So mm. y- there's going to be some element of energy that has to get diverted to that process. That being said, you know, I eat pretty large meals and, you know, I don't experience any sort of fatigue after. And I know I'm not using myself as like an N of one case. I'm, I'm using that to illustrate the fact of like, you probably shouldn't be, it's probably not efficient to just gas out after you eat, especially most of us are eating during the day. You probably don't want to eat right before bed for a few reasons. Maybe we get into later. Um, so it's just not efficient to like crash during the day. So the first thing would be, okay, yeah, there is blood rushing to, it's a process that has to happen to digest the food. Beyond that, I would say for you, there's a few things that could be causing this. And I don't even know if we went over this, but the first thing is like you mentioned throwing down oatmeal and brown rice. Um, (laughs) oatmeal is an interesting one. It's like, gets this reputation as being the, the food that everyone has to eat for breakfast and I've actually, I've been paying close attention to this company levels. They, they they produce a continuous glucose monitor software. So everybody's familiar with tracking your blood sugar. Um, you can prick your finger and figure out where your blood sugar is at. The only people historically that have done that have been diabetics because they're concerned with having either too elevated or too low blood sugar. But now they make these devices. You can plant them in your, like your shoulder 
and it tracks your blood sugar 24 seven, like all day. And so for the first time now, we're able to start to see it a ton of data on how different foods are affecting people. And one of the things that they're seeing that's really common is people eating oatmeal get the, the highest blood sugar spikes from oatmeal than almost any other food. And it's really consistent. There's some variance with people like you and me may have different responses to oatmeal mm -hmm. or different responses to bananas. Um, but it seems like almost everybody struggles with oatmeal and we don't really know why yet, but I know for one thing, it's kind of a useless food. There's really nothing in it. That's like beneficial for you. So just like scrap it and replace it with potatoes for, for carbs or mm -hmm. sweet potatoes. Um, and then, so, so on the blood sugar topic, it, it could be something that you're just getting a massive glucose swing, like your blood sugars rising very dramatically and then plummeting. And when you, it's generally not a good thing to have these huge swings up and down of blood sugar throughout the day. So that's one thing. And then it, it can be a hard food to digest to oatmeal. Like you're just going to have, have difficulty with it. a lot of people have difficulty with it. And same thing with brown rice. It's got phytic acid in it. Like if you're going to do the rice thing, um, most people have better luck with white rice. So I'd be curious for if why you, even eat rice for carbs. Like if people like, if you like carbs and, and, and you're training for performance, especially like you're, you know, you want to perform specifically, you know, you're put, lifting weights at a high intensity, you know, and you want carbs to feel full and feel strong. Rice can is carbs like, make you feel, or like, can you give me like kind of the scientific breakdown of why carbs are good for athletes specifically? as opposed to someone who's maybe sitting in an office or maybe in a creative field like me, who's like sitting at a desk when I'm not out on a job. Um, and I'm like looking at a computer on phone calls, creative meetings, et cetera. Um, why would I even eat carbs essentially? Like, it sounds like you're saying that athletes are going to benefit. Whereas someone like me might not benefit as much or have like the full benefits of it. So how does an athlete benefit and how would I benefit or not benefit? So it's first important to mention that you, nobody like needs carbohydrates. So there, there's going to, cause there's going to be somebody listening that is like, you know, training well and performing well and not having any carbs. And that's fine. Like you, you don't, I'm willing to admit, and I've gone through long periods of time without carbohydrates and performed mm -hmm. fine, but there's a, there is a difference at like, uh, I've, I'm hard pressed to find anyone who trains at a high level. You're doing, you know, 60 to 90 minute sessions in the weight room, pushing a lot of weight, you're sweating. So carbs, carbs, like most people see them as a fuel source, but they, they store in your muscles as glycogen. That glycogen is used in certain activities at, at certain intensities. Um, but they also help you retain salt and water. So if you're, if you are not eating carbs, you, you need to up your salt intake if you're an athlete, because you're going to be sodium depleted likely. Um, so there's a few things for athletes where you're just, you feel more full, like carbs, carbs hold water. So mm. like if you, if you deplete yourself of carbs and you train, and then next time you train, you're not depleted of carbs, you'll notice like you just, you'll have a better pump. That being said, they're not entirely necessary for anyone technically, but you'll see some benefits from them, even from like a mood standpoint. Mm. Um, there's some, some interesting stuff on. So for someone like you, I would think that long-term carb depletion is probably not a great thing. Mm. Like I, I generally wouldn't advise someone to just never eat carbs. Are they necessary? Mm. No, but you probably 
are better off at least having them on occasion. Cool. So to kind of follow up with that, something I did to something I came into a realization for, because like we talked about in terms of my nutritional habits, um, large meals, one or two of them a day, um, almost always feeling a need to crash afterwards. Um, something I changed recently is I cut out carbs. I cut out, um, brown rice. Um, I cut out beans and I've noticed that I don't get tired as much. Um, I do not crash after 2 PM. I was more asking those questions for the benefit of everybody listening. And here's a direct response is like, I just, after talking to you about it weeks ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to stop doing that. And so now I just have my protein, um, and vegetables usually. And that's it. But that's really helped me uh, by cutting out those things. Um, it's good to know that you should be eating carbs um, still, even if, let's, if you're like me, like maybe, I guess, when would I, when would probably be best for me to eat carbs? Probably in the evening, I'm assuming. Um, or like, what, what are you thinking? So some people like eating carbs, like they, they like doing what you do, which is avoiding them during the day because they just feel more energized because mm-hmm. um, they're not having these glucose. I'm not working out too. If yeah. I was working out, I'd probably be able to eat carbs and I'd probably be fine. Well, so, so a few things I would recommend. P- some people like doing that evening thing. My, my issue with that, because so carbs actually will increase serotonin mm-hmm. and you, mm-hmm. you'll feel more like at, at ease or just relaxed. Like serotonin, people are pretty familiar with serotonin at this point. My problem with if saving them for later in the day is you're getting potentially a big rise in blood sugar and then you're not doing anything with it. So I I think for someone like what's actionable, okay, then avoid them throughout the day if you can, like if if that helps your energy levels. And then when you eat them in the evening, just go on a 10 minute walk after like Stan efforting is something like 10 minute walks. That's all it takes five or 10 minutes. If you can just roll, Mm -hmm. if you can walk around your house or your street and you wore one of those continuous glucose monitors, you would see Mm -hmm. just in 10 minutes, your blood sugar drop down significantly. So that's what I would do. Got it. No, it makes a lot of sense. So another question I kind of want to talk about is, and I think this is depends on what your goals are, is just workout regimen. I'd be curious to know, I think one of the most interesting things, and one of the reasons I think you're the most, one of the more credible people to talk to about on health and nutrition is because you've kind of treated yourself as this lab rat, like your own personal lab rat. You've done, you've tested out quite a number of different, um, uh, habits in terms of like eating habits, uh, sleeping habits, workout habits, um, to try to figure out what's the most optimal for you. Um, and so if you can kind of like walk me through a couple of those things, like I know you've done the whole intermittent fasting thing. I know you've, you'll, you still do like fasting where you'll fast for a day or two days out of the week or every third day or something like that, just to like, see what it does to your energy levels and your overall physique. Um, but like, you know, working out in, uh, hyper, hyperatrophy, I think that's how it's hypertrophy, hypertrophy, um, as opposed to, you know, the adverse of that, um, and what you found works the best for you, because I think you, you're more on the lines of like wanting your physique is like, how do I just be in the best shape possible? Like to do life in, you're like, I'm not, you're not an athlete anymore. You're not playing D1 football. Um, you know, you're, but you're also just like, you don't want to be someone who's just sitting down all day and just like, you know, growing just unhealthy and stuff. So you want to be there for your kids. You want to be able to run around. You want to be able to toss the football around and 
to have all that energy. So like, what, what is it you're doing now, um, to maintain that and kind of be in that level? And like, what have you learned kind of through your, for your specific body type, um, is the most effective way to train? You mean, so are you just asking specifically about like my training regimen, like what I do or. Yeah. Like how do you, yeah. Tell, tell me what your like, you know, typical schedule is like and stuff, because you're, you're very in shape. Um, if you go on your Instagram, if people go on your Instagram, um, you will post stories occasionally of you like doing a workout and stuff from, I'm looking at you, you're in the best shape I've ever seen you in. I've seen you skinnier. Um, I've seen you much heavier than you are now, like back when you were at university of Kentucky. Um, and you know, and then also at Kilgore, like what they were training with you there, as opposed to how you train now and the difference in strength, the difference in energy difference in look, um, there's big differences. And so I think you are the most healthy right now. Yeah. I've seen you when you were fasting for two days out of the week for, or like 10 days out of the month and you're skinny and you're like, your cheeks are like kind of hollow and you're still working out and hitting it, but like, you just don't look super healthy. Um, so like, what have you found? What's kind of like the, what's the word? Just kind of like, kind of like the Excalibur sword of your training specifically. Like this is like the, you know, golden ticket sort of deal. So what does that, what does that look like for you? Just like for me, when you were talking, like, it just reminded me what works for me is just finding something that I'm interested in. So like I'm interested in, I've learned about myself. Like I'm more interested in seeing if I can improve my performance. So like, can I jump a little bit higher or sprint a little bit faster or something like that? So that's sort of what keeps me interested. And then I'll pick a new thing that I'm trying to optimize. And so as long as I'm interested in what I'm doing and I, and I feel better, like now I'm sort of afforded the opportunity to train however I want. Um, like I, I don't have a coach telling me that I need to do X, Y, and Z. I can sort of just figure out what works best for me and what I'm most interested in and do it. And I think like there's probably, there's so many ways to like, what's the term? So many ways to skin a cat or whatever, but ultimately like what works is just what I enjoy. And I'm just doing what I enjoy right now, which is I do two upper body sessions a week at two lower body sessions a week. And then like, I kind of like your beach pump day. So technically three upper body sessions and two lower body sessions, but every day I'm doing something like I never stop moving. And that's probably part of it. And I do, you know, boxing, jujitsu and all that. So I'm like, my activity threshold is extremely high, but that's what I like. Like I don't do well if I don't have a ton going on, like the more output there is for me, the better I feel. And I've just learned that's what works for me. So I just continue to push it and push it and push it and push it. And I feel awesome. Got it. Do you, has there been any one specific thing that you've had, you know, during this whole like fitness journey, whatever you want to call it, where you've been surprised at how effective one type of training is over something else or where you're just like, where it's kind of like, maybe not surprised, but just kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. I've never trained like this before. And like the results are pretty, you know, impressive. I don't know if a specific training style, mm. this maybe doesn't answer your question, but sleep, like when I really mm. started to optimize sleep, just realizing like you're just start feeling awesome all the time. And I would be confused as to why I was like always feeling like the best way I could compare it to is, you know, when you first, like when you first start, if you haven't drank coffee in a long time, 
and you have that first cup of coffee and like the caffeine just starts to hit your system and you just feel like, all right, like I'm going to crank out some work right now. Or, or you're like in a conversation with someone, you're just thoroughly enjoying it. That's what I was noticing that I would feel like pretty much all day, every day. And wow. the only thing I could attribute it to is just like, oh, I, I guess sleeping the right way actually kind of makes a big difference. And so then that, is- that bled into training. So I'm obviously pushing more weight and having more energy and all that. Damn. That's rad. So what, what's your sleep? What does that look like for you? The sleep schedule thing? Like what yeah. are some t- habits that you formed to help optimize your sleep and in turn your lifestyle, your day, your day to day? Yeah. So bullet points, actually in my interview with Eric Corum, he did like the best bullet mm-hmm. points, which is like, if you can just think cold, dark and quiet in your room is like the best, mm-hmm. like that's just a, a simple thing that anybody can do. Like temperature is the driver of how your body interprets a lot of things. And one of them is sleeping and energy and being awake and going and Mm. entering into different phases of sleep. So having a cold room, we got that sorted out, uh, dark shades, like Mm -hmm. blackout blinds, light, light is no bueno, um, when you're trying to sleep. And then a, a few big ones would be not eating. Like I try to give myself three hours before bed. And this is like, such a big deal. You hear these things like don't eat before bed or whatever. And like, there's never any context. So it's just like, you don't there's take no it serious. Evidence. Yeah. But or, yeah. Yeah. It, like, I, so I wear, like I wear, if people have heard of aura ring, I wear aura ring. I don't have it on right now, but I have my whoop band on. So I have both, which is ridiculous, but they both track sleep. And I, those, those things know every single time I, I made a post about it the other day. Like yeah. if I eat right before bed, my resting heart rate will be up to 20 beats higher than normal. Like most people. So like my resting heart rate kind of hangs around like 42 beats per minute. If I eat a big meal and then just go to bed, especially if there's like some wine involved, it'll be like, like the other night, 65, like my average throughout the night. It's, which is insane. Okay. Curious. When you woke up, let's say you didn't have the whoop band on. Would you be able to tell? Oh Yeah. 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 It's almost like the, the aura ring and the whoop band are just fascinating for me, but I don't you're able to like track your hat, the habits you're able to track like, Oh, well, that's weird. I, I, what did I do differently? Yeah. You know, and I can track things that are maybe less drivers. Like when I wear blue my glasses, does that make mm-hmm. a difference or things like that? Mm-hmm. Um, or like, you know, I started taking elf or bed. Does that make a difference? Like smaller things like that, but okay. yeah. So, so back to sleep, cold room, dark room, quiet room, um, try to avoid alcohol and food before bed, like give yourself a couple hours, at least de-stress, have a routine and, and lights. It's hard to, it's hard to make a comment about avoiding not, or not make a comment about avoiding lights before bed. Um, just a signal to your brain that it's still daytime. Like that's the simplest way to put it. So gotcha. Damn. No, that's, that's great. And no, I remember specifically listening to that and being like, yo, I need to do that. I noticed that when I'm looking at my phone or whatever before bed, it's just like bad news. Like shouldn't be doing that. I kind of want to, I'm going to change gears on you a little bit. I kind of want to talk to you about, um, you know, this, this whole podcast momentum. It's about building momentum. It's about, it's about doing the small things to that eventually like lead to big life changes. Correct. And so kind of like the bullet point stuff. Like what are some, some things people can do to like really try to like jumpstart their um, health 
essentially, you know, like very actionable items, like kind of thing. Like what would you, what would those be for you? So action items. Well, the, the first thing, like I always say is just start somewhere, like literally the, I almost hesitate to give answers to this because I don't want yeah. to seem like there's like this perfect thing that you have to do. Yeah. It's like, okay, if you're listening and you know that you, and like, this is the most generic example of all time, but you drink sodas all the time, maybe try cutting those out to start. Like just yeah. step, any step you can take will make a big difference. And then another one is move as much as possible. So mm. I actually like Ben Greenfield. He always says he trains towards the end of the day at like four or 5 PM. And he says like, by the end of the day, training is an option, not a necessity because I've done so much movement throughout the day um, right. that I don't, if I skip my session, I've still trained throughout the day. And a lot of people are working from home right now. So like, whether it's you just go walk around the block, you do some air squats, you do some push-ups. If you can't do push-ups, you do a variation of a push-up. Anything you can do, the more you can just sort of elevate your heart rate even a little bit throughout the day, move your body, that will start to bleed into other things. So I like going to movement first because you start moving more. Maybe you're even getting vitamin D while you're outside. So you're like a little double whammy there. You're feeling better. If you're getting your heart rate elevated a little bit, you're building some aerobic capacity, but then that's going to help your appetite. So you're naturally going to have a better regulation of your appetite. So then mm -hmm. you naturally end up eating better. And then one thing bleeds into the other. So if I'm going to give action items, I'm going to say this, pick one thing that you just know is a joke that you shouldn't do. Try cutting that out. Action item number two is to just try moving. Try to try to get out of breath three times a day. Mm. You don't have to be like that's, dying. Yeah. Yeah, try to get out one. of breath three times a day and then try to do what I mentioned about sleep. So fi fix your sleep environment to cold, dark, quiet. Don't eat before bed. If you do those things, there's going to be a, a huge cycle that that feeds off each other and it's going to impact a bunch of area, other areas mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah, no, definitely. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I know, I think right before I moved to New York, I was, I finally got a membership at a gym and back in LA, but I swear the crazy, it's just insane how much working out and movement affects your psyche in a positive way. So I went from, you know, basically more or less not working out consistently for almost 10 months to getting a gym membership and getting under some weights, getting under like getting in some under squat rack and things like that. And it's just aside from the whole like health benefits of like getting stronger and being healthier and stuff from a physical standpoint, like mentally, it is ridiculous how much it just affects you and how much it just, you just feel more, you feel more confident. You feel more, um, you feel more capable just like throughout your day to day, like whether you're going into a meeting and you know, you have to pitch something, um, or whether you're about to just like start a new project and, um, you know, you don't know creatively, but yeah, I work in the creative industry. So that's like a big thing for me. Um, it just, it, I noticed that it helps me creatively. My mind just starts going because it's, it's my body is being active and my, my mind is thinking it's problem solving. Um, and it's like conditioning for anything else. It's like, if you want to run a marathon, you don't just run a marathon, you know, you have to run like a mile, two miles, three miles, like daily create these habits and stuff. And then your brain is starts to like work with that. And so, uh, for me, it was just like, it, it was, it was a really interesting experiment because that was the first time in my life during COVID 
that I wasn't working out consistently and to see how dramatically that it changed my just working out changes my perspective on life and, and just health is, is incredible. It's, it's nuts, but it is, it is crazy to think that like just little things like working out do change your mindset. Um, well, you had to start. Level. That's the, the thing with you is like, you probably didn't feel like you were in a, maybe a rut or whatever for a long mm-hmm. time. And then you finally started and you were noticing how it was bleeding into your other areas of your life. But yeah. the starting was not, it's generally not fun and you don't actually feel like starting. And so oh. like, if you're listening and you're like, I, I can't imagine myself wanting to get out of breath three times a day or walk five miles a day or whatever else. If you don't you even start, notice it. Yeah, no, you will. So I'm not, I'm not a big walker either. Like I, I'm, it, I generally would get bored. Like I'm like, just get me, I need more action, but I knew that like, I should probably start the day doing something. And so I started doing walks first thing when I'd wake up, I've been doing it for so long now that now it doesn't even matter what's happening. It's like, I don't even have a choice. I'm just like pulled out of my house to go walk. Yeah. Like it's just, and so like back to you, it's, it's once you made the choice, mm-hmm. it becomes part of who you are. And that that's like, I think, encouraging for, yeah. for anyone listening, because it's possible for that to become encoded in, into your DNA or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, 100%. I know there's, um, there's one other thing I wanted to um, talk about, but I'm, I am blanking. I'd be curious to know, like, what your thoughts, have you done any research on, you know, take, just completely riffing off of like away from what we've been talking about um, with the whole sleep and all that stuff. But have you looked into at all that whole idea like UV or like light, um, like healing stuff? Uh, what's it? Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you, I mean, I'm sure you're still like learning more and more about it. Or maybe you've read a lot more about it, but that's something I don't know really anything about, but I do know that it's like something that's growing in popularity along with like, um, like sound healing and things like that. Um, do you have any thoughts on either of those things? Do you feel, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What are, what do you think? Yeah. I know this is completely, we're going away from what we were just talking about, but. Yeah. Uh, like, are you talking about like infrared and all yeah, that? Infrared, like, infrared. Yeah. That's a tough one that, so I've kind of held off in diving into the world of infrared for a few reasons. One of them being there isn't really that much sound research to even read on it. I'm not saying that there's not like a utility to it or that there's mm-hmm. not, that there, there aren't healing benefits to infrared. I just have, and maybe I've missed it, but I haven't seen anything. All of the research that I've seen around benefits of sauna, infrared sauna has, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's actually just sauna, like heat exposure. So like for me, I look at it, I'm like, so I could buy like a $10,000 infrared or however expensive those things are, or I could just go in a regular dry heat sauna. And for, as far as I'm aware, most of the benefit probably comes from, from exposure to heat, mm. but I don't know. That being said, like there's some really cool companies out there, I think. And I see a lot of, a lot of these people with the Juve, Juve's a big one and they're using them. Um, and I think there's, there's like some mechanism that you can look at to explain to explain that there may be some benefit, but I just don't know enough about it. I probably wouldn't yeah. want to like riff on it. I just remembered um, okay. 
what I want to talk about is just going back to the whole idea of just starting somewhere and working out and taking those first steps. You know, when I hadn't worked out for 10 months with weights, like I literally didn't, I think I touched a barbell once in like 10 months and that was at your house. Um, and going back, one of the things I noticed is that after the, the first week I was back, I was worked out the next day. I felt like I literally just played a full on football game. Like my whole body was so sore. And so I remember being like so sore and the second day I was so sore and the third day I was so sore. I just kept working out every day, um, regardless and just like working out through the pain. And I think something I found interesting was that after about four days, five days in a row of working out the second week, I was fine. I was completely fine. And I never iced. I never did anything aside from like stretching in the morning, which is something I'd been doing already um, for about a year. Uh, I didn't do anything. And the soreness was gone. I thought that was really interesting. And um, about this idea of soreness and that you always have to, you know, roll something out or stretch something or ice bath or sauna. It, it, the the sauna, the ice bath stuff is funny to me because, and I love like ice bath in general and like some recovery stuff. Oh, what it does to wait. I took a cold shower before I jumped. Yeah. Like, I was like that, freezing. that's its utility is the, you know, cold exposure. And, and that's like a separate conversation, but the it's funny to me that people would do that to recover for exercise unless it's like an intervention where it's like you have a game tomorrow and your body feels like trash and that helps you feel better and you need to do it it's like okay at that point you're not worried about your long-term adaptation you're just like i need to survive through tomorrow you make your own schedule like it doesn't matter if you're really sore so mm -hmm. for me taking an ice bath to sure. recover from an exercise or from a training session is like equivalent to saying which I don't know why you would do this, but this is the only example that can come to my head is like saying, I want to build my pain tolerance. So I'm going to hit my thumb with a hammer, but first I'm going to numb my thumb. It's like, well, are you trying to, then what's the point? Like, why are you doing this damage then? If you're like, I thought you were trying to build like your pain tolerance, you know? Yeah. And so it's like working out, you're trying to increase your resilience and, and allow your body to create an opportunity to adapt. But then you're trying to remove the, the adaptation by getting in the ice bath, which I, I just think is not necessary. Yeah. No, so, and I think and I, your body figured it out is the, is the thing. Like you just kept the, training and your body figured it out. The body is the most, the human body is the most impressive machine on the face of the earth. Like in terms of its efficiency, um, redaptive organisms facts, but cool, man. Well, that's been a, that's that this has been a chat. Yeah, no, we've been talking for, a solid hour and a half. I feel bad. Thank you for, for helping carry an episode here. It's like, it's funny. It's probably funny for people to hear if they know that we're like, you know, best friends, you're like asking me questions. Like it's like, doesn't he already know the answers to those? But I, we didn't like sit here and plan this out. Like it obvious. <laughs> no. This is our take two because the first take we just started talking and it was like all over the place. So we decided to be a little bit more organized, but mm -hmm. it was a good chat. And Dude, I hope it was useful. Yeah, I know. I hope people get something out of it. I guess we'll see. If anyone Talk does about. want to see the, the infamous Ryan Espinosa six pack, where would they find it on Instagram? Um, you know, I'm notorious for not posting any photos of myself and everyone gets really mad at me about it. So I don't, I don't think it exists it's somewhere out there in the ether. But if it did, it would be at Ryan Y-A-N-E-S-P-I. Okay. Yep at Ryan 
ESPI. Last name's Espinosa. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. It was a good talk. Um, yeah, I definitely learned a good amount and excited to see where you continue to go and your, your momentum journey. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. And until next time. Thanks, bro. Until the next one.